Sunspots Comics now. This issue of the Sunspots Comics podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Cryptid Zoo at cryptidzoo.com. Cryptid Zoo is basically a t-shirt line that's uniquely and strangely infused with augmented reality, and it's inspired by cryptozoology folklore figures like the Bigfoot. All the shirts are designed and hand-screen printed on 100% cotton, pre-shrunk t-shirts by the artist and owner of Cryptid Zoo, our friend Julian Meyer. You gotta see it. You hover your smartphone over the shirt and it does stuff on the screen. It's pretty crazy. It just comes to life. You gotta see it. So please check out cryptidzoo.com and also... Use the promotional code Sunspots Comics. That's right, and you'll get 30% off your purchase. Most of the Cryptid Zoo shirts are about 27 bucks, so it's a great deal, and that's with tax and shipping included before the discount. So don't forget, use Sunspots Comics as your promo code on cryptidzoo.com, and you'll get a big discount. And that is C R Y P T I D Zoo.com. Wishes and welcome, comic book lovers. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 117, covering the fresh and awesome comic books that just came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, July 26th. Yes, New Comic Book Day is always my favorite day of the week. And this particular podcast sleeps four feet above its covers. I am Chris Latori. Yes, thank you very much for joining us here. It means a lot to me. And right here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, we recommend to you an awesome fresh list of brand new comic books that come out every single week. And we tell you what the best of the best ones are so you can go to your local comic book shop and buy them. Never miss an issue of the Sunspots Comics Podcast just by subscribing to it. Hit the red button and follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube at Sunspots Comics. So what are we all about? Basically, in a snapshot here, what we do is I take the best comic books of my list, I just read a whole bunch of them, pick the best ones, tell you about the best ones, and in a spoiler-free kind of way. And basically, if you want to hear a nerdy fella talk about how much he loves comic books and giving you the gist of them, so someone that's going to kind of talk you into buying them, then you're in the right place. So it'll save you some time, save you some money. If you're one of those veteran guys that have been reading comics since the dawn of creation, it'll just save you a little time, save you a little dough, and tell you what the best stuff is. So there's a lot of comic books that just continually come, like this barrage, this this meteor hurling towards Earth nonstop, constantly, of new comics. So this is a nice place to come and get a little positive taste, get a little gist, and go buy some fresh brand new comics. Yes. So two quick thank yous. One is to the guy that just sang the Sunspots Comics theme song, my friend Nick Papa George. Thank you very much for doing our theme song. Please check him out. He's an awesome musician at facebook.com slash Music. And also thank you to my son, Justin Jables Latori, who unfortunately could not be here He uh, due to scheduling conflicts, although he does send his love and says hello. Uh, you can check out the blog that he writes for us, uh, the Sunspots Comics blog, at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And also follow him on Instagram at just sunspots. Yes. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 117, starting out with some stuff. Floating around in my nerd brain. The first thing that's into my brain right here is some comic book, movie, and TV news. It comes from the Hollywood Reporter. Thank you guys over there. I have a couple of friends that work there, so thank you very much, Hollywood Reporter. You guys are always like my favorite sort of source of nerd. But this particular article is talking about Jared Leto potentially playing the character Bloodshot from the Valiant comic, in which I've been loving. Uh, Jeff Lemire wrote it recently. 
he's uh, thinking about playing Bloodshot in a feature film for Sony Pictures. And there's a guy attached to it uh, named Dave Wilson. He's attached to direct. I'm not sure exactly what he does. But uh, one thought in my brain is going right from the Joker, which I know was not hailed in a very successful manner and uh, critically uh, sort of smashed upside the head or hit over the head with a hammer, uh, to go right back into a comic book uh, character. I'm not sure if I were his agent, I would necessarily recommend that. But who knows? Maybe they have a unique take. They've written the character in an interesting way. You know, he's got the nanites, and Bloodshot is, uh, is his brain, his memory is kind of messed up. He continually sort of falls in love with every girl he runs into and brings uh, these women onto this, these horrible adventures that he's going on. Or the last uh, thing that he had to do was his nanites were removed and he had to gather them around the world because each uh, person that had the nanites was turning into this horrible, like, serial killer. So I hope they harness some of that, some of Jeff Lemire's work uh, for this Bloodshot film from Sony. But it would be Sony's first time in the ring in the Valiant universe at comic book publisher, the the sort of indie, smaller, I know it's like number six on the all-time, or the current publishing list of, of comics, but it could be an interesting story, it could be really well done, and hopefully Sony will do it right, and whether they cast Jared Leto or not, I hope they get someone that uh, it really just embodies this, this wounded, this soldier that's just uh, tortured by these experiments that are done to him. And they need a heavyweight. And that could potentially be Jared Leto. So an interesting little article there. That's really all the comic book uh, movie and TV news I had. Uh, the next thing up in my nerd brain is the Eisners. The, the Kind of the full list of all the Eisner winners were announced from San Diego Comic-Con. And it's the Oscars of comic books. And it, really every single year they come out, I try to dig into that list and find some stuff. So I'm going to talk about that and kind of read a few that I think of were of interest or that I've already been reading that were really due an Eisner and one, but uh, in no particular order, uh, by the way. But of course, we already heard about Saga, kind of, they were the big winner. They crushed it. Best writer, Brian K. Vaughn. They had best cover artist, Fiona Staples. Best penciler and artist, Fiona Staples. Uh, they, they just, they crushed it. But one that really stood out to me was best like newcomer basically best new continuing series and that went to black hammer by by jeff lemire and dean ormston on art that's been phenomenal so definitely credit where credit is due it's that odes to the the golden age of comics in this strange sort of city that is outside of time that these heroes are trapped in that ultimately uh, jeff lemire's sort of justice league is trapped in and they don't know, is it uh, purgatory? Is it just this strange spell that's upon them from their last villain, etc.? But they really uh, have been there a long time, like 10 years, and they're dealing with a lot of sort of issues uh, that are that are there with that. And some really interesting character development. Uh, I was really happy to see that it won the Eisner for Best New Series. And another one that was fantastic that won Best Limited Series was The Vision, written by Tom King and art by Gabriel Walta. That was the absolute, I know every single uh, issue came out, it was on the top 10 for me, it seemed I talked about them almost every single issue, and definitely some of them were the number one, the best of the best. But that's that very haunting, creepy story of the Vision family that was living in this small uh, Midwestern town, and how everything just went horribly wrong with that, from, from primarily stemmed from the Vision's sort of wife that he created. And man, it was a mess, it was dark, it was haunting, uh, it was a little heartbreaking, a little mysterious, a little strange, 
but well-deserved. Tom King kind of went into a dark place. He had a dark vision, but that won the Eisner for Best Limited Series. And very, very worth it. And one that I want to check out that won Best Single Issue One-Shot. I end up, pretty much every year, always reading the Best Single Issue One-Shots or anything of that sort of category that is of a one-shot nature that wins an Eisner. And the one I'm going to actually check out that I've only read the first few pages and I'm already hooked, but it's from Dark Horse Comics. It's called Beasts of Burden, What the Cat Dragged In. So I'll just read you the image blurb. It's a or the uh, Dark uh, Horse Im- Comics little blurb. A heroic gang of dogs and cats serve as paranormal investigators in the outwardly pitch- picturesque town of Burden Hill. Unknown to most of the human residents, Burden Hill is plagued by sinister forces that these furry sleuths have been charged with fighting. And it has a very... I'm a sucker for this watercoloring style very much harrow county is what it looks like so if you like the look of harrow county from tyler crook you will like this this is a script from from evan dorkin and sarah dyer art by jill thompson and it just has this gorgeous coloring effect first four or five pages are these two cats having a conversation about the very things that are going on in this strange town and I'm all in, and I haven't even read the whole thing, but I'm going to check that out, and I'll give you a, my thoughts about it when I'm all finished, but it, it won the Eisner for the best single issue one-shot, so I'll definitely be checking that out for sure. And the best publication for teens, ages 13 to 17, I might peek into. I haven't, but I hear good things. It's the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, so I'm going to check that out. It's by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. And it won the Eisner for that. I, I have only just seen the cover and maybe thumb through issue number one, which I bought. So I'm going to go finish it and give it a go and give it a try. I, I initially thought maybe it wasn't for me, but when it wins an Eisner, then it kind of um, it twists my thought of it initially. And maybe I'll go back in and read that. But I definitely want to check it out. And, uh, you know, because I have a lot of nieces and nephews and young kids, too, that I always kind of buy comics for. That's the leads me into the next one. The Eisner winner for best publication for kids 9 to 12 is Ghosts by Raina Telegmeyer. So I'm going to definitely check that out through Scholastic Press. And I definitely want to see what that's all about. Ghosts. But, and oh, the last thing I have in my possession that I haven't read and that it won the Eisner for best reality-based work. And that's... March. March book 3-1, and this is from John Lewis, and he actually, you know, lived a life, you know, standing up for equal rights, and he was there with Martin Luther King, and it's his tale, his his interesting tale done in this graphic novel style, but it's from John Lewis, it's called March, it's book 3. I, I have them uh, all, I just haven't read them, and I'm looking very much forward to reading all that, so congratulations to the Eisner winners, those were just a few, I, I left out some that uh, didn't necessarily maybe interest me. I wanted to just point these out. and uh, Oh, and also last, give props to Best Coloring. Uh, that's a big deal for me, as I'm, I'm soon going to be coloring my own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. But Matt Wilson, he's done Cry Havoc, Paper Girls, The Wicked and Divine, Black Widow, The Mighty Thor, Star-Lord. To name a few, I know he's done some more, but Matt Wilson, congratulations for winning an Eisner, Eisner on Best Coloring. So there you go, there's uh, kind of the 2017 wrap-up of the San Diego Comic-Con Eisner winners, and uh, I every year I try to dig right into that list, and if I pop in some more, I'll let you know, but those were a few that just you know popped right into my nerd brain. 
And next up on my nerd lobes is Image Plus Magazine, issue number 16 just came out. This has a couple of interesting things. This is the uh, the Walking Dead. Here's Negan, the finale. So it's been in 16 parts. Uh, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, the creator, writer, did announce that he's putting this out in a hardbound edition. So interesting to see how that will kind of look and feel. I'll probably grab it because it's been good. There's been very little dialogue, but it's dialogue heavy in the last little episode, which uh, the episodeette that I just read, the finale, issue 16. Definitely is an interesting little side story of Negan. Uh, not a, a huge, giant surprise, because of course this is very prequel and, and we kind of know what we're leading to. But there's a couple of nuggets in here that were really interesting and you get to see a different side of him, which definitely adds some depth to that character moving forward. And I definitely want to follow. He's an interesting character, you can't deny it. And just the way that he, uh, the tone of his voice and the way that he, the words that he uses, the, the limited vocabulary, F-bombs, that the Negan uses. But that's uh, wrapping up in this one, and that's like in the very end of it, of course. But a couple of other things, of course, it highlights, uh, in case you missed it, there's, I love that they go back and tell you about some stuff that maybe uh, that didn't come out that long ago, one called Hack and Slash. So I may check that out and give that a review, but it's a very in-depth interview with the creator of Hack and Slash. And I want to see what that's all about. The art looks very Fiona Staples-like of Saga, so I'm definitely in that. And getting back a little more in order, there's a nice article about Eric Stevenson. He's definitely one of the founding fathers of Image Comics, so really cool to see his take. He's definitely one of the independent mind of comics and really had that break away from the big two and do some interesting, unique, strange, and twisted stories of all kinds to be, I mean, to really help sort of lay the foundation for what is Image Comics today. So definitely an interesting article there worth reading about Eric Stevenson. And you have this other feature interview about a comic book coming out from Steve Scrose called Maestros. And I definitely want to check this out. It has a a very hyper-detailed, a whole lot of gazillion things happening in one panel, very Jeff Darrow style, look at his art, very similar to that, but it's total fantasy. He's done a lot of sci-fi, so this is definitely, a, a for him, a dip in the toes into the jacuzzi of just straight fantasy. And it looks gorgeous, so I'm definitely interested in checking out Maestros, if I'm saying that right. And the next thing up is the the hack and slash interview that I told you about they they highlight a local comic book shop which is this comic book shop in Vegas Las Vegas called Maximum Comics which had opened in 2007 just around the time when I was actually moving out of Las Vegas but I had gone there and met the owner Jay and it was a great uh, well put together store with a ton of selection and just very his very the setup is just in a, a very meticulous way it's just very clean and everything is displayed really organized in a in just a very appealing way it's just the kind of store you want to just hang out in but not just like there's not tables and it's not just hey let's sit down and loiter in the place it definitely has a ooh I want to buy some stuff cuz it's just kind of a cool and fun environment so if you're ever in Las Vegas check out Maximum Comics and it's uh, in the west part of town in Las Vegas but of course just just look it up. But it's cool that they highlighted a shop that I physically shopped at and met the owner, Jay. He's a cool guy. So congrats, Jay. There's also an article from Robert Kirkman in here kind of talking a little bit about the finale of Negan of issue 16 here. And they even give you a glimpse into that from this 
after this, they're going into volume two of Image Plus magazine. It's going to be new and improved. And they're also going back to number one. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of just always putting number one and everything. What's wrong with volume two, number 17? New and improved. But anyway, uh, rumors are they may change the size, which is definitely this magazine-style format. They're going to up the content. They're going to up the interviews. They're going to up some different kind of uh, unique material is what they're they're talking about so volume two i'm all in i have every single issue of image plus i've been in it since the beginning i miss the posters they've had some like in the first like 10 issues and then those have gone away right at the center staple so if you're listening image plus magazine get back to that i really enjoyed that i do, I do have a few of them displayed but just a ton of stuff there's even a jeff lemire interview about royal city which uh, is very cool also because it has his music playlist listed here so it's on the back of every single issue of royal city very dark and deep and strange sort of family exploration whereas they all see a deceased member of their family they all have visions of this same uh, child tommy that was in their family that died at a young age and they all have they all the brothers sisters mother everyone has this vision of this deceased tommy that's that's haunting them so creepy uh, very family and heavy some some heavy family material here and family issues but anyway that's a little that was a little all over the place but issue number 16 of image plus comics is out it's only two bucks go get it it is worth the money just gives you a, a glimpse and some great interviews of all the things that are going on in the world of image comics so definitely worth the two dollars and your time to read through these interviews and everything that is all going on in image plus magazine so go get it and the last thing that's floating around in my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing a comic book myself called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, I'm doing the writing and soon to be doing the coloring and the lettering. And my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his beautiful art. Please check out his art on sunspotscomics.com. Uh, you can see it. Just click on Zombie Destroyers. You can also see his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful. Thank you so much, Jordan. And also just a quick little Zombie Destroyer update, I like to give those on my comic book Zombie Destroyers. I've actually adjusted some of the writing for page 24, so I've submitted that to Jordan. He's already got about 80% of the initial pencils done, he's just working on the final um, panel on the bottom of page 24, which is going to be something crazy and awesome and epic. It's going to be a sort of aftermath of this fight scene where there's just nothing but zombies strewn across the land at their feet and it's going to really um, wrap up this action panel of this this big zombie fight. So very cool. Uh, there's a little glimpse right there into my comic Zombie Destroyers. Uh, that was page 24 we're talking about. So hopefully uh, now that I've got my, my new coloring tablet and uh, I'm figuring all that out with a bunch of uh, referrals and people and artists that have come colorists that have come forward giving me tons of material thank you for everyone that's helped me with that uh, to jump in dive in and, and get into coloring my comic book zombie destroyer so it's a it's an absolute just humbling uh, event in my life that I'll never forget it's it's a dream come true I've always wanted to do my own comic my own way and I'm gonna be self publishing it under the sunspots comics banner for now we'll see what happens but uh, there you go. So that's the last thing in my nerd brain is Zombie Destroyers. And also, we have... Um, I've been putting this off, and I apologize. Thank you to everyone that's been writing in. I do have sort of a an iTunes review mention. I always tell you that if you give us five stars and a positive review on iTunes, I'll read it here on a future podcast, and I will send you a little comic book prize, a little thank you, little gift bucket, if you will, 
with one or two or three or seven, who knows how many little comic book items in a box and mail it to you. So this one comes from uh, this five-star review and very positive blurb here from Relitant Sasquatch. I love that. I don't know what that necessarily means, but I, I love the sound of it. And uh, he wrote here, I had fallen mostly out of comics. Oh, that's sad right there. That's a bad thing. I'm glad you've fallen back in. I hope I helped you fall back into comics. Uh, he says, I've, fall I've mostly fallen out of comics. The weekly top 10 spoiler-free reviews has helped me dive back with confidence. All the comic book stores in my region are benefiting from my weekly dose of Sunspots Comics activity. Thank you, Chris. Well, you're welcome, Relitant Sasquatch. And thank you so much. And I, I really do hope that I've inspired you. I, I, I got you off your seat and got you back into comics for whatever reason you fell out. I'm so glad that you're back in. And uh, it's a it's a joyous hobby. It's a it's an absolute unique, fresh splash of of just a, a, an eclectic blend of all types of genres. And my advice to you is now that you're back in, diversify. Just just listen to this type of stuff I'm into, which is I can be all over the place, and try some of it. And I trust me, you'll be happy if you are into having a little splash of kind of everything in your life. So thank you very much, uh, Relitant Sasquatch, for writing in and. Please send me your address uh, to my email directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. I'm going to mail you a little little prize package. I have a few things already in mind, uh, two to seven to nine things, to putting together a little comic book prize pack. So thank you very much for your positive support. It really does fuel me. It, it helps me to just keep going with this podcast every week, and I need that fuel. So thank you so much, and definitely uh, things like that just inspired me to try to get a little better with every single podcast, and so I hope to do that, and I hope that you have fun with it. So, thank you again, Relitant Sasquatch. So, if you yourself want a little comic book prize, uh, just and you enjoyed the podcast, just hit me up with on iTunes with a five star review and a positive blurb, and I'll read it on a future podcast, and I'll mail you a little something, a little comic book nerd something. And also, quickly, I'd like to mention a segment I do from time to time where I interview people in the comic book business. It's called Spotlighting. So it's for people that are already doing it. It's for people that are independent comic book creators trying to get into it. Really, if you're anything like a writer, a, an artist, a colorist, a letter in comics, and you're trying to get in there or you're already doing it, hit me up. I'd love to have you on this Spotlighting segment to interview you and talk to you about your comic and get the good word out there. I definitely like to read the comics first. So send me a review copy of your work to chris at sunspotscomics.com. Of course, or message me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that, at sunspotscomics. I'm an independent comic book creator myself. I know how hard it is, so I definitely want to do my part to help you comic book creators out there. So now on to my favorite part of the comic book of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is our comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my best of the best, my most awesomest of the awesome comic books that came out for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, July 26th. And of course, semi-spoilerish alert. That's right. I only talk about a few interesting points of it, really the ones that I hope will grab you and interest you and inspire you to buy these comics. I don't even touch the last few pages at all. I might hint towards them, but that's about it. I really just want you to go out there, buy these comics, and enjoy them and not just have them completely spoiled. And if you want to see a little glimpse into everything that I'm actually reading, my pull list, my and even my favorite picks of the week, all the way going back to, to May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on the pull list, you'll see that I have 116 titles that I'm reading. Uh, thankfully, they only come out every so often. I usually average about 20 or so comics per week. 
and also click on top comic books of the week. You'll see all of my top picks. I don't have a set number. Sometimes it's five, sometimes it's seven or nine or ten. I just pick the greatest ones out of my stack. So I don't have a dedicated number because I feel like that would just hinder me and force me to pick a certain amount. When, when they're great, they're great. And I want to not go, oh, that's great, but I ran out of room because I can only pick five. So I pick my greatest and I tell you about them. So I just updated the site. I'll be updating it some more tonight. So please, I, I compacted it. I simplified it. It's not a crazy site. It's easy to get in, check out my lists, and then jump out. Please go to sunspotscomics.com when you have some time. I'd really appreciate it. I'm super proud of it, so thank you. And this week and every week, I always pick an artist winner and a cover artist winner. So this week, the artist winner is from Vault Comics. And I know I'm not pronouncing this right, but it's Zojaquan? Z-O-J-A-Q-A-N. Zojaquan, I'm thinking. Zojaquan. There's no U, but anyway. And the artist, amazing, beautiful artist on this is Nathan Gooden. You have, uh, on writing, you have Colin uh, Kelly and Jackson Lansing are the writers, and the artist is Nathan Gooden. And I'm going to look up Nathan Gooden online to see, so I can refer that to you. I'll probably throw it on the on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything when I send out my my message about this week's podcast. But Nathan Gooden is the artist winner, and it is just absolutely wonderfully, beautifully drawn fantasy art here of this Zajacon universe and this young woman that's sort of awakened in this strange land. And it is so beautifully drawn and colored and the respect to light and it's just bright. And there's so many just little beautiful fantasy landscapes here of strange mountainscapes and um, just even the plant life. It definitely looks not of this world so it just has this otherworldly feel she's all by herself she's landed on this strange fantasy world is it a dream is she imagining it or is she really there she tests some things which may make her believe one way or the other but this crosses lands crosses dimensions crosses millennia it's definitely a unique twisted tale and beautifully beautifully drawn there's so many like oranges and pinks in this and when you just think that it's sort of going all in that tone and there's orange and pink it goes into this beautiful blues and whites because the landscape changes so I love that that the artist Nathan here got a chance to sort of write draw volcanoes to to you know a snow-covered mountain and to just this this you know like beautiful jungle and it's just this beautiful splash of color and such unique lines and such attention to detail on the eyes which is so important with comics that it really sells it you are definitely experiencing through the windows of the very soul of this primary character here this woman and she's floating she's flying she's swimming there's just so many unique landscapes it's just beautiful it definitely has cohesion there's definitely a storyline that it it very much sounds otherworldly and fantastical in a way that might not be tangible but it's very tangible and the art brings that home very crisp lines very clean very consistent which is a big thing for comics you don't think oh is that a different girl oh is this another girl is this her neighbor who is this one you're always very clearly uh very clearly understanding exactly who the characters are because of that consistency so Beautiful art. Thank you so much. You you brightened my spirit, Nathan Gooden. You warmed my heart with your lovely art. I'm going to follow you and uh, and be a fan of your art from here on. So, again, artist winner, Nathan Gooden of the Vault series, issue number one, Zajacon. 
I know I'd love to hear how you exactly pronounce that. But anyway, that's the art winner. And cover artist winner this week was a beautiful, beautiful cover artist that has won before for cover art. And it's for Nam Wolf issue number four, uh, drawn by Logan Ferber. And it's these these awesome silhouettes of these monsters with the, on a white background. And in the interior of the silhouette is a little storytelling there, a little glimpse into some of the story. So it's silhouetted in that way. It just... It drives home the image. It just jumps right at you. It's just a stark, very simple, iconic look. It's the only one that I've grabbed for wallpaper. I've, I've, you know, captured it on my phone to have on my background. It's just something that I really enjoy looking at. This, I know that he does like a different color in this strange silhouetting, and on each cover. And this one is purple. I love the color purple and black and white. So it just really stands out to me. I would love to have posters of this. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Mr. Logan Farber. Uh, but it's lovely. Just go check out the covers for Namwolf. You'll see what I'm talking about. There are alternative covers, which were fine. But stick with the primary cover uh, from Logan. It's good stuff. This iconic look. I would love them in a poster that brings all these silhouetted figures with the sort of story inside the silhouette in a, in a collected large poster together. That would just be amazing. Because uh, it's it's beautiful stuff and it's unique and it is something you don't see all the time when it comes to covers on comics. And uh, I love just the font of Namwolf. I wonder if he had something to do with that. But it even drives it home with his cool silhouetting. But check out the covers for Namwolf. They're phenomenal. So definitely easily artist win uh, artist cover winner this week. Logan Fairber. Thank you very much. Love a Namwolf. So and the breakdown. Just a quick little, uh, little layout of the breakdown. I read uh, 21 comics this week. And 10 of them made it to the Great Ones list. Yes, they were awesome. Which is uh, almost at that 50%. I always try to be right there. It makes me feel like I got my money's worth. And I always hope to see they're at the 50% mark. I don't talk about the stuff that I didn't like. You can put it together by looking at my pull list, the ones that didn't make it. But I really only talk about the greatest of the Great Ones. And it was an excellent week of comic comics, let me tell you. And the new number ones, there were three new number ones this week, and two of them made it to the Great Ones list, which I'll go over here in a second. So that's that's fantastic. That's over the 50% uh, mark for the new number ones, because there's I love the, the hope that comes with new number ones. So I always like to just point that out so you can see that, and I'll mention them when I'm counting them down as well. So let's get into it. Let's jump right into the top comic book recommendations. This is my awesome ones list of comic books that came out for new comic book day. Wednesday, July 26. I consider these really to be the ones that are worth your time, to be the greatest ones of the list. So definitely check them out, and I hope to talk you into them. So here we go. Let's get into the countdown. So coming in at number 10 is from the comic book publisher Image, and it's Crosswind, issue number 2. And this is uh, brought to us by uh, writer uh, Gail... Or, um, there, here we go. It's Gail Simone on writing, and Cat Staggs is the artist. And Crosswind is this like Freaky Friday story of this housewife, very timid housewife that's just being constantly sexually harassed by her neighbors, which gets you really frustrated. That switches sort of souls or spirits with this hitman ultimately, and they've now we've met this sort of. Uh, wizard or demonic-like presence that did this Freaky Friday switching of souls. And he tells him there's a set of rules to this. They can't just go all rogue and go nuts. 
he wants them each to sort of maintain the lives that their new souls are stuck into. So he wants the hitman to be a successful woman and run her house success her house successfully, or he will keep them in those bodies forever, or some other sort of threat that he lays down to them. So we don't know his motivation as to why he's doing this yet. This strange wizard character demon that switched them. This innocent bystander, this woman, is really what you're hoping for here. That this life she's living in this miserable marriage and these these young teenagers that harass her every time she comes in in a, in a very rude, disgusting way. But she doesn't have the sort of the gump, the gumption, the, the, the drive to sort of tell them off. She just sort of every time takes it and, and it crushes her soul a little bit every single time. Like, it's just heartbreaking. So that's the sort of... The, the primary character here is that woman, honestly, that you're really hoping for. But they've had some interesting little facts to the the hitman here. I don't want to spoil them all. But he's definitely a multifaceted character here. And you've inter- he sort of talks about his mother in a very positive way. And he knows how to put a really super good dish together and surprises the this jerk of a husband that she, that she is married to with this amazing sort of Puerto Rican dish and the way that it's written to where they're fumbling through being these personalities but finding their way is uh, is rather interesting and kind of refreshing and unique so I really like that because I wouldn't normally gravitate to a Freaky Friday kind of story but it's got enough sort of unique flair here to keep me interested and I like uh, again rooting for this humble housewife that now she has the spirit of a hitman in her you do want her to go nuts, but we've been told by this wizard guy that she can't. But they're still sort of pushing the envelope there. Like when the woman's son comes in and just totally speaks to her in a disrespective manner, you know, the hitman inside the soul of a housewife just slaps him. And you're like, yes, it like kind of feels good. And you're like, I, I just, I pumpernickled, I arm pumped. I was like, yes. So that's what the core of this is all about is... Hoping for sort of a happy ending for this 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 poor housewife that is living this miserable life. But uh, I'm also interested to see where this hitman goes being stuck in a housewife. So we'll see where that goes. Freaky Friday stuff. Crosswind, issue number two. Definitely easily a pick of the week here. So it comes that's number ten. So coming in at number nine is from Image Comics as well. Spawn, issue number 276. And this is a new arc called the Dark Horror story arc. It begins here in 276. And also new artist and co-writing is Jason Sean Alexander. He's one of our favorites. He did Frostbite. Go back and look at that. It's gorgeous. And a ton of other things. He's definitely more of a mural type, you know, oil-based artist. He's He definitely has a unique take on what Spawn looks like here, but so very fitting. It even has a little bit of that 90s flair, has a little bit of that the guy that did uh, the Max uh, series, that's what it kind of reminds me of, Jason Sean Alexander. His art's very dark, um, but it's very sort of, like it just feels like he just hand-painted it. It feels like he took his fingernails and and he and these weird brushes. And I've seen him his in his art style. Uh, he, he definitely has weird brushes and inks that he's mixed together and does all kinds of weird stuff. He's a fantastic artist, Jason Sean Alexander. And this shows that Al Simmons, who is Spawn, and... His uh, friend, which I've already forgot his name, his friend, that his longtime friend that's been in the comic forever, and his, and his daughter Cyan, who, if I remember, 
is not not Al Simmons' daughter, but it's his friend's daughter. But uh, she calls him like Uncle Al. But they've they're running from this strange. I'm I'm sure it's the dark horror faction, whoever these people are, that are hunting Spawn, and they decide to sort of run to Japan. They just take off and go to Japan. Because uh, Al has some people there that he knows and some contacts, and he thinks that'll be the best thing for them is to sort of have their own sort of witness protection program and take off and go to Japan. And Cyan's trying to adjust. That's what's uh, the neat sort of heartwarming part here. She's struggling to make friends, and she's, I don't know, I think she's preteen, like maybe 12 or something. But you care for her. She definitely emotes. Uh, Jason Sean Alexander does a great job of emoting her emotion in the eyes and how uncomfortable she is. And we've all been there in a new town, a new city, and trying to get uh, acclimated and make friends. And he, he, he does such great art that it sells all of that sort of awkwardness and sort of loneliness that's going on there with, with Cyan. And then she's seeing these horrible images from some sort of strange woman that is uh, like taking her heart out of her chest and giving it to her with a smile on her face. Like there is these sort of insanely horrifying images that Cyan is uh, going through here and her friends aren't seeing him. So it's just definitely some sort of strange vision. And uh, so talk about having some issues here that Cyan's dealing with, yes. And then we're introduced to this sort of uh, horde of bad guys here. There is a guy that's involved in sort of um, sex trafficking people, human trafficking, and he's always sort of silhouetted in the background, but has kind of vampire teeth, so I'm not sure if he's of of the vampire, you know, uh, ability, etc., but he's definitely a very interesting character, scary looking, and very ominous, the way he's always kind of in the shadow, but he has some, some people that are just kind of locked up. What he's going to do with them, you'll kind of see, but it's ultimately a great sort of jumping on point, 276, great time to jump in, start this new arc. It has a whole new look for how Al Simmons looks, how his friend, I want to say Tony looks, I don't think that's right. But uh, very, very interesting, and who are the? who is this dark horror faction? Why are they coming for Spawn? We don't know yet, we're just getting little glimpses into who they are, and they're de definitely horrible, but this is very dark, it's... Very much sometimes just like a pin of light, a very thin uh, veil of light on this sort of very dark comic. But the way he draws Spawn, you just want to see more of it. It's like this explosion of black and darkness. And and I love the way it's kind of just this skull image over the Spawn face. So it looks a little different. doesn't have the, the, the green sort of uh, slit triangular cut eyes. So it has its own look, but he has the chains, he has the red cape that's going all over the place and that is of course alive with this uh, demonic entity that is the spawn suit but i definitely want to see where this goes i'm hooked i'm in uh i hope jason sean alexander stays on it for for a long time stay there i, I think he's found his home i think uh jason is just hitting it in all cylinders here it definitely has a fresh new take it is sort of co-written and edited by todd mcfarland himself I was lucky enough to get this Todd McFarlane variant cover for this, and it's glorious. <laughs> so many lines, so much detail. I don't know how rare it was, but I was glad that my comic book shop had it, and I grabbed it immediately. There's only one left. If you can get your hands on that one, get it. But the standard cover with Jason Sean Alexander's version of Spawn and like this split of his face where it's like splitting into a man screaming, but then the other part of it is, is the Spawn very iconic face and black and white. Uh, it's haunting, horrifying, but 
I'm all in. I'm glad that Spawn is uh, is still doing it. 276. And great time to jump on, folks. It's a brand new arc, so go get Spawn 276 with glorious art from Jason Sean Alexander. Yes, that's my number nine. Number eight is again from Image. Man, they're just, they just seem to be nailing it uh, this week. But uh, coming in at number eight is Plastic, issue number four. And this is written by Doug Wagner and art by Daniel Hilliard. And beautiful coloring, by the way, from Laura Martin. Just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. But this is this strange story where this sort of serial killer has these kind of sort of Dexter-like rules, and he lives with a plastic sex doll. That's his uh, the love of his life, apparently. And he is uh, they've this gangster group has stolen Virginia. I think her name is Virginia, and blackmailed him into doing some nasty stuff in this town and murdering some people. If he doesn't do it, they're going to deflate stab his plastic love doll interest so yeah it's twisted uh yeah it's it's out there it's strange he saved this woman uh in the past in the in issue number three and strangely enough she wants to be along for the ride on this this thing i think she has no idea that virginia's a plastic sex doll and but she sees our character here and thinks that he has like a good heart that he's trying to save the woman that he that he loves <laughs> i just can't wait to see the look in this woman's face when the woman that he loves is this plastic doll yeah but he's going after this horrible group of sort of uh of of you know organized crime characters that are all major douches <laughs> like they all deserve to die and i like that there's never sort of a gray area of who our main serial killer who mr plastic is killing it's always like they all deserve a horrible death because they're all major douches everyone in this organized crime faction that mr plastic is chasing but this is him getting a lot closer. He's taken out some of the guys in crazy kind of ways. That's all I want to tell you. There's plastic explosives involved, you know? Seems fitting, right? Comic book named Plastic, right? Mm, love it. But he's taken out this group in some fantastically, horrifically gory, uh, very over-the-top bloody violence, very Kill Bill-ish kind of squirtingness that's going on with how he's killing them. And I love that he writes, like, when he dismembers certain people he'll write a little something as to kind of a, a way that it describes this horrible villain that he crushed within his own hands but i love that they're 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 cute and funny little one-liners it's a nice little gag that uh they just keep tapping on it and i don't mind it's it's funny messed up gory and and strange and odd all mixed in here it's just a messed up kind of comic but it's uh, only on four issues, and I want to say half of them have been on the top pick, so it's been super, super good and strange. And when you read it, you just feel like a little like, oh, that's messed up, and like, why do I like this? I, uh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, but but he's, if you like Dexter, you'll like this, because he has a code, and he's going after these horrible human beings, and they did kidnap his girlfriend, Plastic? loved all thing yeah it's gross but plastic go get it the arts uh gruesome and intense and interesting and strange uh but go get plastic it's it's been an interesting fun messed up ride <laughs> and coming in at number seven is again from image comics uh, man I, just, I, I didn't even realize that they're like the, the first four are all image uh from 10 to 7 is shirtless bear fighter issue number two i'm laughing because this is a just a wacky comic it's definitely in the vein of like i hate fairyland um shirtless bear fighter and this is created by jody lahup sebastian gurner gurner and nil vendrel 
and written by Jody Lahup and Sebastian Gurner, art by Neil Vendrell, and colored by Mike Spicer. He's done a lot of great stuff, fantastic colorist, and does a great job here. This is definitely a cartoony kind of style. It has a like an aftershocky kind of feeling in the realm of the sort of cartooning feel. Aftershock, the comic book publisher, seems to do a lot of sort of this style and this feel and this look. It's a little more on the cartoony side, otherworldly, but there's definitely some some ode to realism in this. So it's, but it's definitely uh. I mean, it's it's not all ages, but it's it's because, and I love the sort of gratuitous nudity they have with shirtless bear fighter every so often. It is thankfully digitized out, but uh, he's he's got some pants on finally. <laughs> but bears are sort of they've been manipulated here. They're under some strange wizards or demons or evil laboratory scientists mind control, but they are the villain here, and people are just. Uh, running in terror, they're murdering people, and the bears are just these horrible things, which is strange. But that's that's the premise. And there's a ton of comedy in this, like even when the bombs are going overhead and or the, these jets and they're dropping bombs and it, it, they, they've spray painted on the bomb. It's like, try putting this fire out, Smokey. And it's got a you know bear on there drawn with a no a red no symbol drawn over it. It's like, there's little teeny little funny gags all over the place. Even when they, uh, they're communicating inside the fighter uh, jets and the two guys that are there, uh, one of them just can't communicate properly. <laughs> and, and, the, and the other guy's just telling him, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's just like, the kids are on the way to the pool. And he's like, oh, the other guy sighs. So I love those characters. I want to hear more from them, especially the one guy that uh, does not get communication and is trying to give instructions on dropping bombs in a way that no one understands but i love that little that little that little humorous little nod it's great but yeah he's a shirtless bear fighters paid in flapjacks and he's just whacking smacking punching kicking shoving bombs down the throats of 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 bears (laughs) a grizzly shark comes to mind Uh, if you go look at that you'll totally enjoy it and it very much has this sort of similar feel he's bear kicking he's smashing He's just doing everything that he he can, shirtless bear fighter, to save the day from those evil bears. And this is just an action scene. There's a smidge of this little backstory of shirtless bear fighter, which is a little sad, a little haunting. Definitely a change of gears. It makes you sort of go, oh, okay, all right, this does have a little serious tone to it as to why he hates bears so much. But there's even like a Vietnam flashback and a panda bear there, an evil panda bear. So uh, you got to see it just for that sequence alone. (laughs) It's great. And uh, I love how his beard is just this bulbous uh, way that it's it, it constantly just stays right up. Like he just aquanets it in place. It's just this round, beautiful, bushy beard. It's just crazy. But there's definitely a personal touch in here for him as to one of the characters that have sort of a past. They hint to that, which is great. I love the, the sort of villain in this, this evil scientist that's somehow controlling bears. He works for like this toilet paper company. <laughs> And uh, there's some great humorous one-liners there. But they kind of meet this Mole Man character who's really out there and wacky and hilarious. So you got to see that. But it's it's definitely the the funniest comic this week. I really, and I just laughed five or six times. It's only on issue number two. Go get Shirtless Bear Fighter. I did read uh, pub, uh, something from Image. They uh, sent out another uh, an email saying that it's going back to print. They're reprinting Shirtless Bear Fighter. So it's been selling really well. So get yourself a copy 
first edition or second. They're they're still out there. You can get them. My shop had them. I was, I was like, wow, impressed. There it is. But go get Shirtless Bear Fighter if you want some cartoony, wacky, sort of out there, uh, adult-based fun humor in a weird, cartoony-style comic book. It's definitely for you if, you if that's up your alley. And that's a fun alley right there. I want to live in that alley. But anyway, coming in at number six is the art cover winner this week, which is Nam Wolf, issue number four. This is from Albatross Funny Books. This is Mr. Eric Powell's publishing house that does The Goon and Hillbilly, which I love. This is written by Fabian Rangel Jr. and drawn by Logan Fairbear. Definitely our art cover winner with his purple, black, and white silhouetted style, awesome silhouetted style, iconic cover. Check it out. But this definitely has a very cartoony style. And for some reason, it reminds me of kind of Rick and Morty. So if you're a Rick and Morty fan, it has that sort of over-the-top cartoony sort of art here with strange teeth that definitely comes to mind. But it has a very unique, kinetic, fast like pace to this. I really enjoy that. I read these very quickly from the unique paneling style. You'll see what I'm talking about if you put your eyes on it. To some of the very dark monster horror that's happening here. Because ultimately, Nan Wolf is a werewolf in Vietnam, and that's the, the gist of the story. But there's a government entity here trying to control Nan Wolf, and also trying to sort of Hulk harness him and drop him into certain areas and let him go loose. But the Vietnamese uh, uh, army is not just sitting back and just having all their soldiers killed. They have some secret serum of their own, and they're, and they're turning these people into monsters, like these vampire monsters. So it's great. If you like monster stuff and vampires and werewolves, etc., this is going to be right up your alley. And it's, it's so interesting that it's set in the Vietnam era and fun because all the characters are developed with crazy kind of cool nicknames. And there's definitely this, uh, this ode to Vietnam and the look and style of it is all very 70s Vietnam kind of look and feel. But you also feel for the main character, Marty, because... He's just being used, just a pawn for the army. And he wants to break loose and do his own thing, but, you know, they're drugging him and using these, this sort of mind-washing technique, and it's just kind of messed up. But uh, there's kind of a final showdown with uh, the monsters that were created by the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, if you will. And it's just a fun ending, action-packed. This is definitely, like, the action-packed winner of the week, if I were to just have that pick, because it just uh, it doesn't stop, and it's... It's a great action-packed showdown here towards the end. Completely worth it here. Monster versus monster. But Nam Wolf. You just gotta check it out. It's a fun, good time. Monster goodness. You could definitely feel Eric Powell's expertise here. Go look at The Goon. It's phenomenal. They're making a, a, a rated R animated feature film. It's in the works. I donated to the Kickstarter. But I've been reading The Goon since it came out. And he just loves this sort of over-the-top monster feel but in a cartoony way yet also has a heart and also has some very sort of realistic sort of heartbreaking emotions there it's just a full full focused fully developed uh storytelling but with monsters involved and that's why i'm loving everything that's coming out of albatross funny books it's been phenomenal with hillbilly and nam wolf and i just i just love it i know i'm missing one or two titles i think but uh, and I miss Goon. I know that Eric Powell is fully now into this, but give me some more Goon, Eric. We miss it. Go look at Goon, guys. It's fantastic. But Nam Wolf, phenomenal. Action-packed winner. Non-stop. Monster Madness. Good stuff. And uh, coming in at number five is 
from DC's Young Animal Imprint, which is run by Mr. Gerard Way. This is Mother Panic, issue number nine. And this is uh, written by Jody Hauser and art by John Paul Leon. Beautiful coloring by Eisner winner Dave Stewart. Beautiful, beautiful coloring. And the cover here, too, was if I were to give a number two winner for a cover, it was definitely this one, Mother Panic, issue number nine. It's got sort of a three-segment panel. It's almost like a, just a panel page, which is kind of interesting. Mother Panic being in the center of the, where the title is, and this sort of rainbow coloring to it. And there's like a bit of story that's going on on each panel of this cover. So I like that. It's a little unique twist. A little uh, interesting there, but this is uh, kind of a wrap-up as well. Like, this definitely feels like an arc end which I know it's nine. It hasn't been really said officially it's ending, but it definitely feels like it. There is a bad guy here that is wearing this Gotham City morgue uh, body bag over his head. Like, there's no holes in it. We don't know how he sees through it. Is he a zombie? Is he a monster? Or whatever. But he just he's really just a gun-toting bad guy that's that's murdering people. In the previous issue, he killed this this husband and wife for this young little girl and she survived and she's in the hospital and our main character here has to sort of she's this cybernetically enhanced um bat family character ultimately i hope they do infuse her into the bat family and we see her but she has this this stark white outfit with these hockey gloves on and this very cool looking like fox like like helmet and, uh, but they call her Mother Panic. And you learn why they call her Mother Panic in this. That's one of the many reasons why you should buy this comic. And, and at least get the f- past four or five leading into the... In, or where the start of the introduction to the Gotham City Morgue bad guy starts. Because it seems like that's the last four. And she is also this Gotham socialite. This sort of um, Kim Kardashian in the spotlight. Famous for being famous. And she's just... In her, she does a great job of having dual lives where she's very much um, uh, just this social sycophant. And I just love the way she very clearly is her other character. You just, you feel 100% like she's actually that character until she sort of has little flashes of it before she puts her suit on. But she's from and, and created from this strange lab of, let's run by like nuns that want to sort of take over the world in their own way by enhancing these young women. It kind of reminds me very much of Black Widow in a way. It's the Red Room. But she's been heavily, heavily cybernetically enhanced here. So we don't really know the full capacity of her powers. But her cybernetic implants are breaking down. So that's coming to an end there. This character now is uh, is there. There's going to be a showdown. Um, they, they, uh, the little girl there is still waiting in the wings to see that if... Justice will be will be issued out uh, from the people the, to the person that murdered her parents. So there's still that waiting in the wings. Mother Panic has a very strange mother in this. She's kind of like has Alzheimer's or, um, you know, her her mind is sort of in a fog. Sometimes she's very her mother's very clear, and other times she's like speaking in riddles, and you don't know what what she's really talking about. But she's very much drawn to her mother and keeping her safe and keeping her healthy and sees her all the time so it's very much an interesting part of the development of this character she does have someone to care for she's she has sort of a mentor but at times the mother's making no sense and it's just kind of this sad moment where she's trying to connect with her mom and it, her mom just can't do it and there's definitely a, a glimpse into more of her uh, her alter ego in the Gotham socialite world but it's a kind of an ending the showdown happens 
like I said, cybernetics are breaking down, and uh, there is a major Gotham family character that shows up. That's all I'm going to tell you, and uh, that's very cool, but uh, I'm, I loved it. Uh, if this is the end, great. It was a great run. I hope it kind of keeps going, and they maybe pick up a new arc from here. I think so. I think it is the, the most, uh, my number one pick of the DC's Young Animal imprint. I started them all, and this is the only one left. Is Mother Panic number issue number nine? Go get it. So of the of the DC Young Animal imprint, uh, run by Gerard Way. This is the winner of all the winners. I know there's Doom, and there's uh, I loved the uh, Cybernetic Eye, uh, Cave Carson. That was great for a while. Um, but this is this one has has endured. This is uh, this has made it to number nine for me, and I'm still in there, and I want more. So go get Mother Panic from DC. It's phenomenal, beautifully drawn, and uh, and I hope that. Mother Panic is infused into the Bat family one day because she definitely, I think, would be a formidable character uh, to help with the the Wayne family foundation. <laughs> so that's the uh, Mother Panic. But coming in at number four is from Image Comics. They seem to be the publishing winner this week. And it's uh, Saga, issue number 45. This is written by Brian K. Vaughn, beautiful Eisner winning, or, uh, award-winning writer, Brian K. Vaughn, and... The uh, Eisner winner, both Eisner winners, uh, for, for her covers and her art, Fiona Staples. I think I saw altogether they've won eight Eisners for this comic. So it is a powerhouse, folks. Saga is. Go get it. And uh, I'm definitely going to stay spoiler-free on this because there's some fun stuff that happens here. But this is uh, picking up on the story of one of the characters that's traveling along with them. She's of the alien species of Marco in this. And she's uh, kind of decided to maybe do her own thing. Uh, she's she's definitely kind of looking for a place, uh, a place in this world for herself. And the young daughter, of course, uh, Alana, I think is her name. I'm so bad. I know with names. Is the narrator of this, and Alana's narrating as a young child, maybe. But she's 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 a young child now, so she's telling her story. I love that sort of unique perspective. But this character, this woman that's trying to find a place in the world when she was traveling with Marco and his wife and the, and the daughter is trying to branch out and do her own thing and runs into some bad characters. This, the last, th- uh, since I want to say 44 or maybe 43, has had this Western genre feel to it. And they, they're in all the way. There's cowboy hats and gun belts and whips. And I like that. It's just a kind of a twist around this strange alien planet, which... Um, She's going to have a very late... She's trying to, the main character woman here, uh, the mom, is trying to have a very late-term abortion. And she's on this planet to do it because apparently they have some sort of uh, magic-infused people, I guess, that will help with late-term abortions. And uh, it's saddening them very much, but also it's activated powers for her, um, being that the baby's actually not alive inside of her. And Marco's having a really hard time with this. And Alana seems to seems to go up and down. Like, um, you know, she's sometimes you can just tell it. Cr- she's crushingly depressed by this, by her baby is inside of her and, and is not alive. And then other times it just sort of gives her these unique powers that normally her husband has. So it's like harnessing through this child that's within her. And they, she sees this vision. That's all I want to tell you. She sees this vision. This is tough to tap dance around this because I don't want to spoil it. And the vision is um, is also making her sad, and it is relating to the, the the baby inside of her. And 
they're getting close to the doorstep of this place that does this late term abortion but there's definitely some some road bumps there's some speed bumps there's some some hurdles to get through <laughs> and uh and some some really sort of sort of over the top intense action that happens here and it's this was one of the faster reads i swear since 45 or 44 no it's earlier than that i want to say this arc's been running maybe since 40 or 41 it's been phenomenal this western motif that's going on here and that she's pregnant there was a little time jump that's where the awesome started which uh, time jump to where she is uh is very late term pregnant but now the baby's has died within her but yes it's it's complex it's a lot of very serious issues here but it's science fiction action otherworldly element going on it's very much of the uh the montagues and the capulets it's very much a shakespearean romeo and juliet kind of story set in space and set with a western motif and this beautiful loving little girl alana that's just has such naivete and wonder and innocence that you can't help but always want to keep her safe but it's a great serialized awesome cliffhangers great one page splashes that's their style that's that's brian k vaughn and fiona staples uh, staple of saga is having that one page splash they do it 90 percent of the time not every time but check out saga it's wonderful it's a it's a it's a mess of awesome and fun in a sci-fi western genre there you go there it is you can write that down <laughs> but here we go now breaking into the top three comics of the week so there we go this is uh coming in at issue number three is from dark horse comics it's uh black hammer issue number 11 this is written by jeff lemire who's done a ton of things a Royal City, one just off the top of my head. He's writing a lot of stuff. Check out his his amazing list of work right now. Jeff Lemire is one of the top-notch writers in the business. Written, also drawn by Dean Ormston and draw, uh, beautifully colored by Dave Stewart. And this is the Eisner winner, again, for uh, Best New Ongoing Series. But this is the uh, double-action team-up here of Golden Gale and Barbalian. This is ultimately, in a quick snapshot, it's the Justice League, if you will, Jeff Lemire's Justice League, trapped in this weird town, kind of Twilight Zone, purgatory, where they can't leave this town. The Black Hammer tried to leave, and he was he was exploded. <laughs> and uh, in a very gruesome manner, by the way, if you go back to, I think it was issue 9, but uh, no, 8. But this is sort of a little backstory of Golden Gale and Barbalian. Golden Gale is very much like a Shazam character, and Barbalian, Barbalian is very much a sort of um, um, Martian Manhunter. Best way to describe the two. But they have a unique, sort of interesting friendship. Uh, Golden Gale is a actually older woman, much older woman, but trapped in the body of like a nine-year-old girl. So she battles with having to go to elementary school and put on this facade and it's been like 10 years that she's had to just be trapped normally when she turned into uh, the golden gale she would uh, I guess be able to go back into her normal age self but she's been trapped now in the body of this nine-year-old and Barbalian is also coming to terms with that he's a uh, bisexual uh, maybe or he's he's you know he's an alien from a different planet that seems like they didn't have sex defined in the way that we do here um, on our planet and so he's struggling with that and thinking that he's maybe homosexual um, pretty sure he is but he shows some references of that and some things that he went through with bigotry in the sort of 40s 50s etc with never really being 
uh, come out as a homosexual, but just sort of being outed or pointed at or made fun of and, and sort of tortured by uh, other people in his police department. So he has to kind of move on. And he can shapeshift like Martian the Manhunter. But uh, it's sort of a heartbreaking little moment with these flashbacks from Barbalian. And there's this super, super, this is the awkward moment winner of the week right here. If you like awkward, there's a bunch of this in here. But Barbalian feels that this father, Quinn, that he has a very much a kinship, um, an attraction to each other. And boy, Barbalian could not be any more wrong. <laughs> so it's a very awkward moment there with um, Barbalian being complimentary and coming forward and kind of coming out and trying to sort of hold hands with uh, Father Quinn. And he's not having any of that. And it's very awkward and very sad, but but Jeff Lemire writes it in such a in such a realistic way that it is a little depressing and sad. But also, it's kind of hopeful that Barbalian sort of just coming out and being at peace with that. And boy, talk about complex, you know, coming on to in a, in as a homosexual coming out and being attracted to a, a Catholic priest. I mean, it's just a there's just a whole lot going on. It's only part of it, but. Also, the other aspect is Golden Gale is kind of fed up and done, and what she does here is, is very heart-wrenching, and then it really sort of drives home the friendship, this interesting, sort of very realistic and tender friendship between Golden Gale and Barbalian. And uh, that's all I can tell you, because this whole last eight pages are very spoilery. One last thing that's interesting about it is the Black Hammer's daughter has sort of just, poof, just appeared in this world, and she's very much conscious of what's going on and retains a lot of her memories. And she's piecing together this mystery here of why in the libraries there's no history books and why people seem very autotomic and robotic and uh, repeat certain things, very much like moments inside the Matrix. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're all plugged into some strange gelatinous tube with, you know, all these these uh, feeding tubes attached to them or something. Who knows? That would be very cool. But, um... Yeah, they're, uh, the daughter is, is dissecting and deconstructing what's going on here in this weird little farmville that uh, the, that Black Hammer and the League of, of, of Weirdos is all stuck in. So definitely uh, worthy of the Eisner of Best New Ongoing Series. So check it out. Black Hammer, issue number 11 is number three. Gorgeous art by Dean Ormston, by the way. So check it out. Number two is actually a... the one of the new number ones and it's uh, by chance or providence and this is written or this is a uh, also another image comic and by chance and providence is uh, I've lost it here it comes and it's um, Becky Cloonan on writing which is she's phenomenal she has some great writing here and uh, the art is just gorgeous absolutely stunning art here by uh, Lee Lowridge. Um, actually, no. Lee Lowridge does the um, the colors. It's the story and the art by Becky Cloonan. But this is actually a collection of three comics. So you get a good uh, value of this. Um, it was $5.99 for the three comics. And it's it's this is an interesting little very fantasy tale. And it's hard for me to completely describe this. But uh, I love the dedication at the beginning. It's I'll get through this and I'll figure out a way to describe it. But it's very in the fantasy realm of like sort of Lord of the Rings. But there's a nice little dedication to those of you with crushes on your characters. So very much a nod to the inside world of writing and uh, what writers probably go through. But Act 1 is uh, uh, this. It's called Wolves. And there is this man that's 
that's naked running through the forest and he is he's cursed and he um he's very much a skilled hunter and throws a rock at a crow and eats the crow but he's naked and he's having these strange flashbacks of this woman and he can tell it's it was a love interest for him and even a, another person that's sort of uh, not another person that's sort of a flashback and of a person that is that is hunting this wolf but maybe not and it's i love the way that's it's sort of laid out here um it's definitely a mysterious take on this werewolf and there is just a unique ending to us this that's like heartbreaking I'm definitely not trying not to spoil it because it's a short story how the three acts are written out but boy how do I say it um but who you think is the wolf is maybe not necessarily the wolf and these flashbacks of this woman come into play here in a unique sort of twisted way and it was a little heartbreaking at the end of it and it's done in this very dark very purple and black kind of dark noir style and uh, I love it it has like a hellboy feel to it so if you're a if you love the art style of Hellboy, you're going to love this. It's otherworldly. There's a ton of different colors in here from Lee Lowridge. does a fantastic job. Very gritty, very dirty art here with that Lord of the Rings sort of realm. But, uh, man, I really dug this and read it, read it like quite quickly. There's a lot of sort of silhouetting done on stark backgrounds, too, so you'll really love that. Like where the sun is shining through this forest and the skies are a very sort of amber and yellowy burnt and it's just it's warm and inviting and and sort of uh kind of horrifying and scary at the same time but act two is called the mire and this one is really interesting it's like a little bit of um kind of game of thrones is what it reminds me of but it's like if 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 uh, king stark if robert stark or eddard stark were to send this letter to this boy to deliver this letter to this woman that he ultimately has ties with and the boy has ties with this woman as well but when he arrives at his destination to deliver this letter uh, the woman is a is has been dead for a very long time but she is this monster that sort of speaks so they do such a Becky Clune does such a great sort of job building these mysteries so I don't want to blow this so it's the one I'm gonna quickly go over but I, I just so recommend this it's like this has this weird sort of haunted red riding hood feel to it that this uh, this young traveler is going through this forest and finds this this ghost this walking skeleton haunt but there's there's personal connection from the king to this boy to this uh, dead woman that's alone in this strange haunted castle but it's just spooky and and it was great and not a ton of dialogue in this by the way because you can initially go ooh, 132 pages but there's really not a ton of dialogue there's just a lot of epic sweeping beautiful landscaping moments here and uh, each of the end pages have been surprising in this and the third one is Demeter act three is Demeter and this one uh, I would say was uh, boy I don't know that I, I love them all equally maybe the second one was my favorite hard to pick I love the first one with the werewolf story as well but I don't know this maybe this one's my favorite but this is like this this couple that were living in this beautiful landscaped area um, by the sea it's like this small like like little town in Maine in this again like kind of uh, Game of Thrones Lord of the Rings realm fantasy realm and uh, something happens to the husband and the sea sort of uh, brings the husband back to the wife but 
there is sort of a price to pay. That's that's the core element of this last arc, or third of four arcs. And the price to pay is strange that it, it gives the sea personality. The, the, the ocean itself is a character in this, and there's like a debt to be paid because the life was saved. Yeah, there's there's only three acts. The, there is a ton of concept sketches and illustrations at the end, so go all the way through it. It's beautiful stuff. It's It actually reminds me a little of The Crow, the original James O'Barr Crow. Heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, beautiful art, very dark. But at the same time, these stories were very, um, I don't know, they're just very sort of hopeful in, in a way. But, um, but dark and brooding and interesting. But check out By Chance or Providence. I think it is actually a collection of these these that were sold individually before. But I never heard of it. And, and I'm glad I found this By Chance or Providence. Go get it. It was phenomenal. Definitely a, a, an off-the-beaten-path pick for me for number two. So was my number one. But uh, I really felt this was... Oh, it was very much like... It was infused with a lot of poetry. Becky Cloonan wrote this in a very simple style that just felt very poetic and uh, I love that and I just loved it and it was just haunting and this is one that will stay with me I definitely recommend it by chance or providence go buy it um, it's just a trade paperback collection uh, it's and it's just so wonderfully done again by Black Becky Cloonan and coloring by Lee Lowridge such gorgeous color in this but uh, my number one of the pick of the week this is a definite off the beaten path kind of pick for me and uh, this by by the way is our Artist winner of the week, too. It's from Vault Comics. It's Zojakan, or Khan, Vojakan, issue number one. And this is uh, this is written by Colleen, or Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Uh, and this is uh, art by Nathan Gooden. And this is colors by Vittorio Astone. Beautiful, beautiful colors. But uh, I love this, again, poetic feeling. I, I Maybe that's just what was on my mind and what I had a flavor for this week. Because number one and number two were very sort of pieces of, of prose and very very poetic in the way they were delivered i have to just read this this entry of page uh, one of zojakan and it says soon will come the armies the churches the the bell the betrayals the smell of burning rock and charred black bones over fields washed crimson by the brutal tide the light end the void and the light again all was here and all will be here but first First comes the fall, and it's it's paired by this beautiful picture of this woman that's just sort of falling through space in this weird splash of colors from rose to orange to this burnt yellow, and she's just sort of falling, and this definitely sort of crosses millennia, it crosses time, it crosses space. I'll read you the, uh, the beautiful blurb from Vault Comics. Check it out. It says, a grieving mother wakes in a brutal but fantastic landscape where the currents of time pull her into the future, lurching forward days, years, and millennia. Her name is Shannon Kind, and her life in our world has vanished without warning. Perhaps she can find peace in her new home. Perhaps she can shape Zojikan into a better world. But first, she must survive. So, I just... This is reminiscent of this Hulk issue, which I want to find... Where Hulk was like, he had this strange parasite attached to him, and this parasite took him into this weird fantasy land world where he didn't really know where he was. He was like in this go-between sort of upside-down world and traveling this lush, strange landscape alone. But the only thing he had to sort of talk to, or was he talking to his own mind, was this strange parasite. 
This doesn't have a parasite at all, but it just sort of had that tone where she's in this strange land, she's all by herself, she's definitely haunted by these flashbacks of, uh, of what she's grieving for, which I don't want to waste, I don't want to spoil that, but time passes, locations change, uh, locations are the same, and there's um, evolution that happens with sort of creatures here, that I love that that little aspect of it, that little nod to the the characters and the creatures evolving in strange and unique ways but so beautifully colored and beautifully drawn here this fantastic fantastical world and it's a little bit of the uh of robinson crusoe if you will it's just like a it's this person stranded on an island you want to see what they do they they find a way to eat they find a way to hunt she finds a way uh to build shelter and you just love seeing that so it's something to be said. I did a study a long time ago about uh, being stranded on, a, on an island, and I know that it has to do with sort of giving up all of our current worldly possessions and simplifying our lives to the very bare essence down to what keeps us alive, what is essential. And that's kind of what happens here when, when Shannon Kind is in this weird fantasy world. She has to find a way to survive. She has to find you know, water. She has to find food. And she, they do it slowly and pace it well to where it's, it's very quiet. There's not a lot of talking. You're, you're, you're sort of just with her thoughts, and there, there aren't a lot of them. It's not heavy dialogue, but it definitely has a, a unique trip right here into this other world that is Zojakon. If that's the world, we don't know yet. But there is a very haunting tie to reality here that. In a way, you just wonder if she's having a psychotic break just to be away from what she's grieving from. But uh, that is the mystery. That is Zojikon. So uh, I'm all in on this. Definitely added to the pull list. And uh, I know it's an independent publisher. Get it if you can. I don't even think that Vault's on Comixology. But I could be wrong. But you know, go to VaultComics.com. VaultComics.com. And uh, I'm sure you'll find a way to get it. I was lucky enough my local comic book shop had it. And I was able to buy them. I continually tell them to get all the vault stuff. Just get it. It's been really, really good. Super, super good. Uh, again, Zojakon. Z-O-J-A-Q-A-N. So there it is. That's my number one pick of the week. That's that's all of them. There you have it. There you go. Close the vault door. That's right. Those are all the new comic book recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, July 26. Please go to a local comic book shop. Tell them you want these comics immediately. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. If you have any questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly to chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and discuss it on a podcast, I will send you a comic book prize as a thank you. As also, sign up for our newsletter on sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And tune in next week for issue number 118. Issue number 118 next week uh, is a pull list of 20 new comics. Uh, for August 2nd, there's three new number ones, so potentially 23. I have a feeling I'm going to chisel out a few, so I might be down to about an even 20 for next week. But I'm hoping those three number ones, I'll just get to look at them and hopefully grab them if they're super good. So uh, we'll see, and I'll, I'll definitely keep you posted on that on the next podcast for issue number 118. And here's just a uh, little glimpse, a little quick peek into some of the new awesome comics that are coming out next week for podcast 118 that I'll be discussing uh, in no particular order. Next week, Baby Teeth, issue number three. Amazing Spider-Man number 31. I've been loving that. You know, adult 30-something Spider-Man that's this billionaire of, of Parker Industries. And now the, the superior octopus is after him, which I love that character. 
The Defenders, issue number four, been a super fun uh, tie-in to the Netflix series that's coming. The Defenders, it's been a fantastic, fun, action-packed comic with with Diamondback as the primary enemy, but has been powered up, and the Defenders are having a hard time with them. Uh, Detective Comics 962, The Flash 28, Harrow County 25. Oh, I can't wait. That's definitely one I am always excited to read. Heathen number five. I've been loving Heathen. That's another one from Vault Comics. Definitely check out Heathen number one through four. They've been amazing. Uh, Killer Be Killed number 11, and uh, Normandy Gold issue number three. Just to name a few that are coming for uh, next week. And uh, oh yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a jam-packed, awesome week of comics. So definitely, definitely tune in to Comic Book uh, Podcast, uh, Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 118. So there you go. There you have it, folks. Uh, please, if you want to just give a little something back to Sunspots Comics, do as uh, the other the reader uh, did, the person that wrote in the beautiful positive blurb and five stars. Just go to iTunes, hit me up with five stars and a positive blurb. I'll read it on a future podcast, and I'll personally thank you and send you a little comic book prize or prize pack. It's, you're probably going to end up being more like prize packs because I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff into a box and uh, send it to you. So I'll personally thank you on a future podcast. So do that. And uh, thank you again for listening. I really appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Go out and buy these comics immediately. They're wonderful. I'll leave you with some wise words from the great, late great Adam West. I've always tried to fit what I do professionally into my family rather than the other way around. And of course, from Uncle Ben, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And I know that we all have that power within us, so express that. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, Be water, my friends, always. And uh, thank you again for listening to the podcast. And I will see you next week. So thank you very much. Bye-bye.